Hi, uh, it's uh, Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast and kind of homegrown video cast about beginnings of new companies, new ideas in science, care, consumer. And uh, today here with uh, Anu Sharma of uh, Millie, and we just invested in you guys, it feels like five minutes ago, <laughs> uh, one of our most uh, recent investments. And uh, we're sort of looking at one another across uh, San Francisco while we're doing this this morning. So thanks for being here. It's great to have a chance to talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. So Millie is a clinic. But yeah. let's explain to folks what that means. So why clinic and what kind of clinic and uh, what, in your view, makes uh, what you're doing unique, important, valuable? Yeah, no, thanks for that's a great place to jump off. Um, so we are in the women's health space and specifically the maternal health space. And, you know, just to paint the picture for the the landscape that we sit in. Um, the state of U.S. maternal health is not great. You know, we, you know, have very poor outcomes, both for mothers and for babies. Uh, we have the highest cost of maternal health of any country anywhere in the world. And yet, at the same time, we also have twice the rates of C-sections than we should have, high rates of maternal mortality, high rates of maternal morbidity, which are near misses, you know, NICU stays, preterm births, um, and also a lot of maternal anxiety and depression. And, you know, one would wonder, you know, people give birth all the time. We've done that for a long time. So we should know how to do this. And somehow we we just don't do it that well here in the U.S. And, you know, I um, I had my own personal experience with this. I have a four-year-old daughter. Um, we just chatted about her. She is on her way to school right now. But, uh, you know, in the process of having her, I learned a lot about you know, the, the U.S. maternal health system firsthand. In my instance, I went through six rounds of failed fertility treatments before becoming naturally pregnant. And I was like, that was a lot. And, you know, hopefully now we're in calmer waters. And, you know, as once I did become pregnant, I expected the rest of the journey to be relatively more straightforward, you know, having gone through all of that. And it turned out not to be, you know, I, you know, sort of went through sort of the usual cadence of appointments, you know, they're usually 15, 20 minutes long. Um, you know, the main focus is around labs and scans at pre-specified points along the journey. And the idea is to make sure mom and baby are doing okay. But in reality, the journey that you're actually going through as a patient, as a consumer is it's a pretty seismic life shift, you know, and you have all of these needs around education and emotional support and kind of wraparound care, you know, um, on the path to pregnancy. And then, you know, once you have the baby on the other side, as you're sort of entering this new world of parenthood with all of its unknowns, and it starts with breastfeeding, and then you have all of these other questions, you know, what is, you know, when should you call a doctor or not? Like, you know, it's all very new, you know, so that's certainly, I think, kind of, you know, in terms of, you know, just sure, just purely looking at through the lens of a patient or a consumer, what you need is a lot more than clinical care. And so the current definition of maternal health as a care episode, which is really made up of, you know, 12 or so visits, you know, largely that take place during pregnancy with one visit at a six-week point postpartum is pretty insufficient. The second thing I would say is that, you know, in addition to being incomplete, you know, the, the way that we do care for maternal health is also very reactive. Um, and I saw that firsthand. I developed gestational hypertension in week 38, late in my third trimester. At that point, the safe thing to do is to go ahead and deliver the baby. 
and the placenta. And so I was induced 10 days before my due date. It was a two and a half day long labor and unplanned C-section with a near hemorrhage. And then, you know, once I was done with all of that, it was a four day stay in the hospital and then instructions to come home, you know, with, uh, with the idea of returning at the six week postpartum visit, you know, just to make sure that I was fine. And in reality, I came back 36 hours um, after getting home into the emergency room of the hospital, having self-diagnosed postpartum preeclampsia. And what that really means is that my blood pressure was up in the 180s, 190s. I was on the verge of a stroke, you know, with a five-day-old baby at home. And no one from the hospital, even though I'd had a fairly high-risk, you know, pregnancy by the time it was all said and done, was proactively going to call or check on me. You know, and when you really juxtapose this experience with, you know, the fact that, you know, the highest risk period for a new mother uh, and the baby is the first two weeks after they give birth. And that's when, you know, most of what we hear about in the headlines in the U.S. actually occurs. You know, it's pretty unbelievable, you know, that we sort of, you know, go through this whole process of having a baby and then just kind of like leave people, you know, kind of unmonitored, you know, right when they kind of need care the most. And so, you know, so the system is incomplete, it's reactive. And I would also say that it's it's pretty oversized, you know, and so we have too much care when we don't need it and not enough care when we do need it. And everybody sort of moves through a one size fits all model kind of, you know, which is delivered by OBs. And when you look around the rest of the world, whether it's Canada or the UK or the Nordic countries or France, you know, 80% of pregnancies are actually low risk and they are cared for by nurse midwives who are, or midwives, who are really specialists in, you know, kind of normal, uncomplicated vaginal births, you know, and so by, you know, taking a sort of a one-size-fits-all OB-driven approach, we also end up doing a lot more procedures, a lot more, you know, unnecessary monitoring for the pregnancies that don't need it, and don't have enough resources left over for the pregnancies that do, in fact, need more, you know, and so, you know, all of this to kind of say that, you know, we have a model that is, you know, incomplete, proactive, reactive, and also, you know, kind of like not quite right-sized. And so that's really the problem that Millie is kind of solving. We're just kind of clean sheeting the whole thing from the ground up and building a model of care that is centered around the idea of, of collaborative care between nurses and OBs, uh, nurse midwives and OBs, so that you have the full spectrum of care, depending on the level of risk that your pregnancy actually presents. But then we tech enable that, you know, from conception through the first year of baby's life and bring all the pieces together from the education and the emotional support and the supplementary care that that mothers and new parents need, you know, as well as a lot more kind of, you know, intervisit management and monitoring so that we can do early detection and better management of risks um, over the course of that care episode. And so yeah. that's what Millie is. It's a, it's a different kind of maternity clinic, which probably the one that we need. And that's also why it's a clinic, you know, you can't deliver babies virtually, you know, and so you do need a way. So do you have a birthing center and all in the clinic so that you can do everything there if things are normal and not send folks over to, you know, Cal Pacific or something. Um, and how did you staff this? And uh, your idea, but you're not either, I think, midwife or uh, an OBGYN. So how'd you find the right folks? Did you buy an existing clinic? Did you start this from scratch? Uh, how have you gotten this going? Yeah, so we uh, we don't do births in the clinics. We do prenatal and postpartum care in the clinic. We have admitting privileges at the hospital, which means we deliver our own babies, but in the hospital setting. And, you know, I love the idea of birth centers and you see them in many places around the world. 
But, um, you know, we have all kinds of challenges here in the U.S. when it comes to kind of, you know, the integration of birthing centers into hospital settings to be able to provide sort of that, you know, kind of seamless integration should somebody kind of need it, you know, it's not reimbursed well. So I'd love to see birth centers in our future. But today, you know, we birth in the hospital settings so that we have access to the full spectrum of care, you know, uh, for anybody that might need that more. And so, you know, it's it's a it's a future I dream of, but it's it's not a future that that's reality today. But Yes, I'm not a doctor, although I come from a family of physicians personally. And so I feel like it was, you know, I kind of escaped and then I kind of like, you know, um, I guess the calling was was not far away. But um, my co-founder actually was my nurse midwife, uh, you know, who delivered my daughter. And after I'd been through my ordeal, I picked up the phone and I called her and I said, hey, you know, was that supposed to be how things were supposed to go? And she was like, well... Not quite. And, you know, and we talked a lot about the state of maternal health and, you know, just the gaps that the model kind of leaves behind. And if, you know, if she were to kind of, you know, really provide care the way that she was kind of trained to provide care, what that might look like, you know, and what she has seen in her own experience of delivering hundreds of babies, you know, and what what she sees sort of, you know, families like really needing. And so so Talia, uh, my, my co-founder, is a nurse midwife, was my nurse midwife. And then Sarah Reynolds, who is my uh, other co-founder and our CTO, you know, kind of had been through her own tryst uh, with the birth with the birth process with her son, who is two weeks older than my daughter, you know, and a lot of sort of that kind of, you know, how should we build this in a way that, you know, is technology enabled in appropriate ways? You know, I mean, sometimes I think in startups, you can kind of see technology for the sake of technology, you know, but integrated into something like this, you know, healthcare is a lot more complex. And you're also taking somebody through a journey, which is, you know, at least 46 weeks long, if not longer. Um, you know, you need to kind of build sort of a very seamless experience from a patient perspective, but also something that is very easy to use for clinicians, you know, who are providing care over that time and being able to kind of surface who needs a higher level of care or not, you know. And so the current state of health tech, as we all know, is also not that great. And so you kind of have to think about, you know, what to build, what to buy, so that you can provide that patient experience and clinical management. And so that kind of became the founding team. But then we built a team of, of nurse midwives and OB to sort of fully staff the clinic. And uh, we're about just over a year into this, and we will have um, rounded the corner on about 100 births by the end of this year. So we're pretty, uh, you know, uh, pretty far along in the journey, but it's been it's, these are not easy companies to build, you know, and, uh, and nothing about healthcare is easy in general. And so uh, we're fortunate to have the opportunity to do this work. So right now, one clinic in Brooklyn. Yes. Right. And so uh, uh, what's the plan for that clinic? So you have hundreds of births, but are you aiming for thousands of births or uh, hundreds of clinics? Or how do you hope to build this out as a company at scale? Yeah. Um, so we are fully staffed at this clinic and, you know, kind of approaching sort of, you know, kind of ad capacity, monthly uh, patient volumes and births. Um, you know, so I think we'll kind of, you know, continue to keep going here, you know, but but obviously uh, the plan is to expand. And so we're working on 2024 expansion plans, you know, that will be sort of centered around California, but we just completed a national market analysis and we'll be looking at a national expansion, you know, sort of uh, starting in 2025. And when we look at markets, we obviously look at demographics, 
and we look at, you know, kind of where uh, we have a favorable landscape in terms of, you know, kind of regulatory considerations, you know, that govern nurse midwives, you know, kind of practicing autonomously without physician supervision, et cetera. And, you know, frankly, the availability of nurse midwives. I mean, we do have provider shortages in the country. Uh, but then we also look at, you know, kind of from a payer perspective, you know, where there's progressivism in terms of Medicaid, you know, which pays for 42% of all births in America, as well as, you know, kind of a desire to kind of contract differently to kind of pay for the better outcomes that we are creating through our model, and then the right health system partners. And so, uh, so there's about 15 or 20 markets that kind of, you know, made that cut for us. You know, I think some will have a larger footprint and some will probably be a little bit more focused on certain MSAs. But, you know, we kind of see this uh, really as an exercise in building in collaboration with health systems, you know, who are all kind of looking to kind of redesign their maternal health service lines, which are kind of underwater in the way that they're currently working. And also with payers, you know, who are looking to build access in markets that don't have access. You know, we've got maternity deserts around the current around the country, and we've got sort of quasi-deserts, you know, kind of, I would say Berkeley, Oakland, you know, which is where we started was not an accident. And it's because if you look at, you know, we're sitting here in San Francisco, it's an overserved market. Right. You know, you kind of look around sort of teaching there. hospitals at the bottom of the hill I live on in every direction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you know, I mean, and and San Francisco's population is shrinking and we, you know, probably have more puppies than we have babies here, you know. And so but the East Bay is a completely different situation altogether. It's where families are and live and you know are moving to. And you know, when you really look at it, I mean, there's just not that many options. And the ones that do exist, you know, have long wait times. And if you're looking for higher touch care, you know, the kind that we're sort of describing, it's generally out of network, you know, and I guess that was something I should have mentioned. We are in network with all the insurance companies, including Medicaid, you know, and that was very important to us, you know, to kind of, you know, what's the point of building something like this if it can't reach people? Right. Yeah, so a lot more to come, but... Uh, so let's walk through the fundamental economics. So uh, I'm the uh, expected mother. Uh, how do I know about you guys when I show up? What's the relationship like? Is it just like a standard practice? Am I referred to you by my GP or something? And then how does the uh, company uh, make money? Yeah, so so from a from a patient perspective, I mean, it looks not at all different from, you know, kind of going to any other practice. You know, we're in network, as I mentioned, you know, with all the different plans. And so... I mean, really what you're do is, doing is kind of choosing to go to sort of a traditional, you know, kind of practice, you know, or or come to us. And you come to us because, you know, it's just a very different model of care, you know, with a lot more sort of support kind of, you know, kind of wrapped around you. So it's an easy choice for most people we're finding, you know, which is, I think, why we've sort of grown as rapidly as we have. I feel like it's one of those companies where if, you know, people kind of like wonder why it doesn't already exist, you know, and why we have what we have, you know, and I think it's just because it's hard to build, you know, but, you know, now that we have built it, you know, like, we're sort of like, you know, tapping into sort of a latent desire and a demand that people have always had, you know, for this kind of care. And so, uh, you know, so the way people find out about us is, you know, kind of either direct to consumer, you know, uh, and we do sort of some, some level of kind of, you know, direct to consumer marketing to make ourselves known, and we've been written up in, the San Francisco Chronicle and Bloomberg and all of that. And so, you know, I mean, there's some level of, I think, kind of brand awareness that you do have to create for something new, you know, up until such time that people sort of know that it exists. 
But really, you know, kind of outside of that, you know, a lot of people find their way to us through their fertility clinics or through their primary care physician when they kind of generally find out. And we do build those relationships. But frankly, Mike, I mean, a lot of word of mouth, you know, I think just existing patients, you know, just go and I mean, the, the wonderful thing about, you know, kind of new parents or kind of expectant parents is that they already live in online communities, you know, and in person, real life communities, you know, and there's a lot of conversation around, hey, I'm looking for care, where are you getting care? What's your experience with this? You know, and so it's just kind of like sort of a little bit of like, you know, I think kind of you build it and they come kind of a situation. Uh, but that's kind of how people find out. And then like, you know, once they are in our care, you know, we see people well before the eight week, you know, traditionally in sort of maternity care, you're sort of seen when you're at eight weeks gestation. And the, the reason for that is because that's the earliest you can pick up a fetal heartbeat on an ultrasound, you know, and kind of prior to that, well, the general thinking is like, there's no point of you coming in because you can't really do anything. Well, and our perspective is, well, you know, people can have ectopic pregnancy. Is there some pregnancies that are not necessarily kind of, you know, um, planned and, you know, and may not be viable. And, you know, I mean, to just like leave people kind of, you know, newly after they sort of found pregnancy and actually come back to us in two months, it just kind of, it's, it's sort of a little weird, you know, at a human level, but also like there are really, you know, I would say clinical reasons why people should be seen sooner. And so do we do have the option for people to do a virtual visit with us, you know, and kind of address anything that may be coming up for them in that sort of zero to eight week period. And then at the eight week point, they kind of come in and we kind of confirm the pregnancy with lab tests and ultrasounds. And they kind of, you know, move through their care with us, which is kind of made up of you know, all the usual visits that you would expect, but also additional visits with a practice-based doula who provides one-on-one -on -one education on self-caring pregnancy and, you know, building birth preferences and postpartum readiness, as well as the Millie app. And then, you know, a lot of sort of, you know, remote patient monitoring devices. And so there's a lot of sort of continuous support kind of through pregnancy. And then at labor and delivery, we deliver the baby. And then, you know, at, um, we actually go do a home visit in the first week, uh, you know, postpartum because, as I mentioned, out of my own experience, that's kind of when you're sort of most at risk. And we set both the mom and baby dyad, you know, and then make the appropriate referrals, you know, as needed, and then do an optional visit to a three-week point and then a six-week postpartum visit. But then kind of care sort of continues with us. Um, you know, we do have adjacent gynecology services, and so people can kind of continue to, to get care with us for their annual exams or infection screening, things like that, you know, whatever may kind of come up for them. And we do offer um, medication abortion and can prescribe contraceptives and uh, do that type of thing as well. And so I would say, Millie, yes, we are famous for our work in maternal health, but, you know, really, I think we see ourselves as a reproductive health company, you know, for uh, people kind of, you know, in that, in that phase of life. Why Millie? Um, you know, I wish I had a profound answer for you. Like, and, and I think the answer is, is actually a really simple one. I think we wanted something that didn't sound like healthcare, you know, I mean, for, as I mentioned, for about 80% of people kind of going through this experience, you know, I mean, really, it's not a medicalized experience, you know, what they're really looking for is they're moving through something you know, which is really a human experience. And, and what they want is, you know, to go somewhere where they're being, you know, seen and heard and, you know, where their experience is being acknowledged. And yes, they're receiving care, but they're receiving a lot more than care, you know? And so we just wanted something that didn't sound like healthcare at all. And we we're like, well, if you had 
a friend who was an OB or a midwife, you know, who you would just like pick up the phone and kind of call as you were kind of going through this, what would you call them? And we just wanted something that sounded friendly and accessible and non-judgmental, you know? And so, so that's really what Millie, uh, that's where the name comes from, you know, but uh, everyone assumes it's my daughter's name, you know, which it isn't. It took us a lot longer to, to name the company than it did my daughter, you know, so. So if we were to do this a year from now, mm -hmm. which we might, what will Millie look like at that point? What's your plan for the year ahead? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll have many more Millie babies in the world, you know, which would be lovely. You know, I, I would say like, you know, if you come into the clinic and you should at some point, it's quite a delightful place. I mean, it's beautiful, but uh, it's also just, it doesn't look anything like a doctor's office. It just looks like this warm, beautiful place where people kind of gather they bring their babies, you know, they meet other families, you know, and so it's it's quite a delightful place. And so I hope in addition to seeing more, you know, more uh, Millie babies in the world, I think, you know, the sort of Millie family will have grown. And I hope that, you know, people will find community in each other, you know, and I think that's sort of the benefit of kind of serving a particular, um, you know, a, a particular sort of like, you know, kind of community, which is sort of where we're centered, you know, you kind of become a part of that community. And so I think, We'll certainly see that here, but we'll also see more Millie's, you know, kind of, you know, certainly in the Bay Area and, you know, probably elsewhere in California. So we're kind of working through all of that. And I think we'll we'll kind of layer in some additional offerings as well. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, kind of it's, uh, yes, maternity has, you know, there is a kind of clinical component to it and there's maternity, maternity care, but there's also so many more needs that people have. I mean, today we already offer lactation, mental health and nutrition you know, and I think we'll continue to kind of grow those offerings, probably the maternal mental health offerings, probably a lot more and probably layer in some additional gynecology services as well. So yeah. we'll be growing in all directions. It makes sense. And one reason why we invested, I mean, there are a lot, we have, as you know, quite a few female investment partners here. And so there was a certain yes. women supporting women and <laughs> everything that matters being female, like, yep, we get it. But also, I think even the males among us, or at least some of us, in my case, uh, having a baby is not just, way back when, when I was a journalist, I ghost wrote a book called The Body at 30, A Woman Doctor Talks to Women. And I had to ghost write this book because the female doctor involved had all the empathy of a rock. The, the patients were bags of symptoms. She had been trained to view the patients as bags or symptoms and not to view them holistically at all. And so when she wrote about her own patients, it was just cold. And so they brought in someone like me to actually give the book a little personality. And, and in that, I learned, you know, these doctors have these issues. And in my personal experience, there's all these things that they don't really talk about, like the absolute panic a new mother has trying to figure out how to get that first time baby to nurse I mean, that whole thing, it's not a clinical situation, but for me and my wife back then, it was rough because, you know, the, the woman is struggling. Is there something wrong with me? And my baby hates me. My baby's going to starve. And they, they, don't, they don't have a doula there or something. They, 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 nobody's helping them. Yeah. With that. It's like, yeah, your stitches are fine. And meanwhile, the woman's in agony and, the, you know, the partner's going, I don't know, what do I do? Yeah. Um, you know, almost, and it, it's it's really rough. So I think this whole view 
from the point of view of you're a human being, we're human beings, let's get through this together, is just so much more advanced and appropriate view. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Millie, yes, we're innovating on clinical care, but I think we're also just kind of like really shifting the idea of, you know, pregnancy and maternity, you know, from being sort of a clinical thing, right, you know, to really kind of being much more of kind of a holistic human experience and kind of like really acknowledging that, you know, in in what we're sort of building as the experience, you know, that people kind of, you know, have with us. And so, yeah, but, you know, I mean, hey, I've been there, you know, I mean, I've been called a geriatric mother, you know, because I was over 35 when I had my daughter, you know, which is like completely offensive in the 21st century. I mean, who says that, right? I mean, um, and especially here in the Bay Area, like most people are over 35. Like, I mean, it's like the, you know, so that's just, you know, there's a lot, I, I agree with you kind of, you know, both in terms of kind of the already sort of like clinical view of what this is really about, as well as, you know, I think just some truly outdated terminology. And, and yeah, I mean, because I was at a readmission, you know, we, we couldn't establish sort of a latch, you know, because I was sort of recovering, you know, um, and so I actually pumped six times a day for 14 months, so that my daughter could have as much breast milk in her diet as possible. And, you know, and I have all kinds of empathy for people, you know, that are kind of like on whatever spectrum of that feeding journey. But yet there is, you know, kind of one of my personal frustrations is just an obsession with breastfeeding, you know, and so we can talk about that all, all day long on a different, different one of these. But, you know, I mean, I think that's also true. Like, you know, I think kind of, you know, truly kind of acknowledging kind of the reality of a new mother, you know, who is dealing with her own recovery trying to be the best mother she can be when she doesn't know how, you know, and uh, and needing a lot of support, you know, in in things like, like, you know, lactation and just, you know, someone watching over sort of her kind of, you know, uh, needs from, from a mental health sector perspective. And so, so yeah, I mean, it is much more of a human problem at that point than it is a clinical one. And we have, all we have to offer, as I mentioned, is a one week, six, six week postpartum visit with the current standard, you know, so um, so yeah, a long way to go, you know, to kind of, you know, really humanize, uh, pregnancy and pregnancy care in the U S understood. Well, it's great work and we're, uh, uh, excited to be investors and pleased with the progress we've seen and look forward to seeing what happens next. So let's make a point of, uh, well, I suppose it's a, a semi-bad joke. Let's make a point of doing this again, nine months from now, <laughs> and, um, catch up on how things are going. Yeah, no, I'm, I look forward to that. And I look forward to having more to share. Uh, thank you for having me. And thank you for being such wonderful investors and, and supporters of what we're doing. Couldn't do it without you. Well, and uh, uh, you're the point. Uh, as I said, when we started this, we're just the facilitators. You guys are the ones that have the ideas, have the courage to take the risks, uh, put in the time. Uh, and we're entitled looking on the whole process, but happy to be so. 